Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. What's up, party people? Welcome to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures. I'm Travis. I'm drinking. I'm not drunk yet, which is sad and um, upsetting, but I'll, hopefully I'll get there by the time our special guest calls tonight. And I'm joined by the Phil Pot. What's up, man? What is up, party people? I'm a party people. Let's go. You are the party people. Man, okay, <laughs> so tonight we've got a vast variety of subjects. We're bringing on our good buddy, uh, Victor Andrews, to uh, talk about a horror script he penned, being on Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk a little bit about Rock and Rebel, uh, the murder-suicide situation that we had recently. Chris Benoit, 11th anniversary of the Benoit family tragedy, and more. So that's what we got lined up for you guys tonight. I want to. I want to hear his thoughts on the new Halloween. That, that's what I want to hear. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah got to get into that. I don't see if he's confused about it like everybody else. He probably will be. He will be. I'll have to explain it on air. <laughs> it's, it's possible. And then you'll get it's a bunch possible. of Twitter movies. Probably. I got a lot of hate on Facebook. I posted that in a couple of groups, and they just fucking yeah. went nuts. And I was like, you are so angry. There's this one chick uh, in one of these groups, and, like, she complains, like, paragraphs and paragraphs every fucking day. And there was this guy today I saw complaining, saying, would you still like Star Wars if they, like, retconned the, uh, the family storyline? Actually, yes, I would. Actually, I would. <laughs> because that actually made the movies worse. <laughs> So if you were to get rid of that, I would be kind of cool with that, to be honest with you. If you, if you told me Luke and Leia were never brother and sister, uh, them kissing an empire would make a lot more sense to me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was told In Deadpool 2, he says that he remembers them banging and Empire Strikes Back. So maybe that happened. I don't know. Oh, Lord. Deadpool 2 is fresh on the mind, Vic. I've seen it three times now. I what? Liked I liked it. I've seen Deadpool 2 three times now. Oh, well. I've seen it zero. And I've seen Infinity War five or six times. So, thanks, Movie Pass. If you can't figure yes, out how to I've get around their system, then that's on you. The Movie Pass is a great thing to have. Everybody should have one. It is. Um, I went in to watch Hotel Artemis um, yesterday, and it was a pile of shit. And, it, it, I mean, Batista was in it. Charlie Day was in it from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I lost interest mm, within 45 minutes of the start. And I was like, yep, I'm done. No more. So I tapped out, <laughs> and I went over to Deadpool 2, and I watched a, a you know, good portion of that, almost all of it. And I was not nice, nice. I have to say. Um, so um, while we wait for Victor to call in, 
not Victor Philpott, but Victor Andrews. I, I do want to tell you about one thing before we get into what we've been watching. One thing that I did watch that I really loved, uh, time Hulu right now? Yes, Hulu. It's 78-52, Hitchcock shower scene. And this is an entire documentary about the shower scene from Psycho. An entire documentary, we're talking about an hour and a half worth of footage and film and people talking. And you've got Eli Roth in this thing. You've got Elijah Wood. You've got Guillermo del Toro. You've got Mick Garris. You've got all these horror people talking about the shower scene from Psycho and how great it is and how, you know, all the perfect shit that Hitchcock did. It was just amazing. Um, so, yeah, so if you guys have Hulu or even if not, Find it, watch it, it's good shit, it's worth watching, and uh, that's all i got to say about that for now, um, but yeah, it, it was definitely worth a, a watch for sure, and I'll probably watch it again, um, that's the beauty of Hulu and shit like that, I mean, hell, I started Mindhunter for the third time today, I've, I've watched season one <laughs> twice, and this is the third time, hey, can you uh, message Victor and just remind him, um, just say, hey, reminder. Yep, yep, yep. He ain't late, late yet, but what do they call that, Vic? Uh, I don't even want to say it. Never mind. Yeah, are we allowed to say that on there? What do we say about Corey being late? Can we just call it uh, Corey Bonner time? Yeah, we'll call it Corey Boner time. <laughs> CB time yeah. instead of BP time. What do you think, Vic? On the Paul Thursday before NXT? Yeah, I got oh, you. If we're, if we're, if we're, if we're, if we're, oh, of course we are. Okay, just making sure. That got to see that for you today. Well, he had it like that. He loved it. I checked him into a drift, and he got to go watch Deadpool too. <laughs> That's awesome. He was so happy. Oh, so uh, while we have a minute, and again, while we're waiting on Victor um, Andrews to call in. I uh, want to talk a little bit, not uh, spoiler-free, about um, the the movie that has come out that is causing a stir. And I'm not talking about the Halloween trailer. I'm talking about an actual um, movie that's come out. And there's a lot of people, and it's like Blair Witch, in that you're either on one side or the other. Well, I don't know which side. I, I know which side I'm on, but I'm not on the strong love side. But anyway, it's called Hereditary. Um it did well to box mm-hmm. office. People are praising it, calling it the scariest movie ever and the scariest movie since The Exorcist. I wouldn't say that. Uh, but it's worth watching. But it is long and it is slow. And if you're not ready for that, then you don't want to watch the movie because it really is just so dark and just plotting. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to um, compare it to in that way. But it's one of those movies where if you're just not not prepared for that, like you today or yesterday, Nick, it's just not not going to be for you, but it it had some moments of pure fucking creepiness. The acting was good in it. There were some moments where I was like, uh, that is fucked up. That is fucked up. There was a little bit of gore in it, and one of the goriest scenes blew me the fuck away, Vic. Like, I sat there with my mouth agape. Like, I sat there like, what the fuck did I just see? Like, seriously. In the theater, just like, I, I mean, I sat there in my seat and said, wow, I can't believe what I just saw. You know what I mean? Like, it blew me yeah. away. Like, um, 
it was it was you remember when we how we felt whenever we watched uh, it in the theaters and we saw Georgie get his fucking arm ripped off? Oh yeah. It was like that, but ten times worse. So if this tells you anything. Now the movie wow. as a whole again, dark and slow and the plot was a little bit weird once you get to the end. Um so, again, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I feel like, okay, I'll say this. I don't feel like the payoff is that good. So I could see where Pondo says it's like Lords of Salem. The payoff isn't some big deal. But I feel like there's enough to keep you interested, unlike Lords of Salem, you know? Where Lords yeah. of Salem's just a bunch of weird shit and it leads to nothing. This does lead to something. It just doesn't really impress me, the ending or anything. I was more impressed with the uh, the story that was told. Basically, it's dealing with, Somebody's lost their mother, and it's the way they cope as a family towards it. Now, there's a whole lot of other shit involved, so I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, it's – if you get the chance, you have movie pass, you have two hours for yourself, go watch it. It's worth your time. Um, And then then form an opinion. Don't listen to anybody else. Fucking, you know, watch a movie based on its own merit or or what your opinions are. Shut the fuck up. Zero's over here barking at other dogs. Ain't nothing wrong. All right, well, Victor, did Victor see your message or is he dead? He he hasn't looked at it yet, but it says he got this. Yeah. Did did you make sure he knew Eastern Standard Time? Yeah. Because you know how wrestlers are. Well, (laughs) I do. Let's see, here's what I said. Call in number, call it. Yep, 905 Eastern. Yeah, and I even gave him <laughs> and everything. I mean, he's an East Coast guy. He shouldn't have any trouble. True, good point. Okay, so let's get into another movie I watched with Movie Pass last week. Upgrade, okay? And this movie was a mix of RoboCop, Terminator, and some other things. and Maybe Total Recall, a little bit of Total Recall. Basically, what happens is this, and I'm just telling you the uh, the plot, not with giving you anything away. This is no, just if, you, if you've seen previews. This guy, he gets mugged, um, and this is where it reminds me of Dark Man. And he gets paralyzed, and his girlfriend gets killed, or his wife, whatever she is. And um, he gets this robotic chip implanted into his, like, his spine, or close to his brain. And it, it makes him be able to walk, but not only be able to walk, basically be a badass. And so he's hunting the people that killed him, or killed, you know, that tried to kill him and killed his his wife. And uh, Lee Wannell directed this, and you know may know Lee Wannell from Saul and Insidious and a bunch of other shit in the horror genre. Now, this is not a horror movie, but it was definitely a damn good one. I loved Upgrade. It's another one that you guys should go see if you get the chance while you can, especially if you have Movie Pass. Vic, this is something, um, it's pretty short. It's only an hour and a half. So it's not hard to watch, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's always some shit going on in it, too. Whereas Hereditary is long and it is plotting. Upgrade's pretty pretty um, solid as far as things going on. So it's more of a, a fun watch than, than Hereditary is. Uh, so between the two, if I were going to tell somebody to go watch one or the other, unless they're really in the mood for horror, I'd go watch Upgrade between the two of them. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so I guess we're just having a little mishmash here while uh, Victor Andrews 
uh, we see if he's alive or dead. Maybe somebody should get uh, James Anthony. Dead. What? Somebody, just leave him together? somebody check with James Anthony and see if he's alive. Then just leave him together or something? Why wouldn't they be? I mean, the um, uh, that's a good point. So, uh, interesting thing, and I was talking to you about this off air. Um, I was watching the Bruce Pritchard um, uh, episode on WWE.com. Uh, the the network, you know, and they're talking about uh, WWECW, and that's what I always called it, too, and that's literally what it was labeled as. They're talking about um, ECW, the WWE's version of ECW on fucking sci-fi. Anyway, the reason why I bring this up is because they, like, go through the entire, well, they kind of go through the history of WWE, CW, and they briefly run over the fact that they had a title tournament because they had only had Bobby Lashley as champ there for a week. They had the title tournament, right? Um, and the finals ends up being um, CM Punk and Johnny Nitro, and they give the title to Johnny Nitro, which that's all good and well, but, you know, they kind of um, forgot about something there. Who was CM Punk supposed to wrestle in the finals of this tournament for the ECW title? Who? Chris Benoit. But, you know, it's hard to do that when he's at home murdering his wife and and son, and that's really what happened. In 2007, as we talked about last year, you can listen to it on Spreaker, filling the Lloyd Radio Network. Um, Chris Benoit... Um, unbeknownst to his, you know, to his friends, family, and employer, uh, was at home murdering his wife and son, Nancy Benoit, woman. Um, he was doing that shit, and they didn't mention that at all. Now, I don't know if that's a WWE mandate where they're not allowed to mention Benoit, but they mention a lot of shit they're not supposed to. Like, they even hinted at the Stephanie McMahon uh, and Macho Man thing without actually saying it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. So, obviously, I, see, I, it has to be that they were told they can't talk about Chris Benoit, which I find a little bit weird. Don't get me wrong. I can understand why they wouldn't want to, like, publicize Chris Benoit, but I think it's important to talk about it, especially to how they had to change their plans there in WWECW. Otherwise, you're just giving an incomplete report. But it wasn't the first time. WWECW was really snake bit. Because the other thing that happened is, remember their first champion was Rob Van Dam, and he got popped for marijuana. Good Lord, yeah. So WWE CW just was never going to work anyway. I'm sure everybody knew that, but I got to think that it could have been it could have been better than it was had Benoit not done what he did. And there's so many would have, could have, should have about that whole Chris Benoit situation um, because. Man, think about all the dream matches we missed out on selfishly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Top five dream matches we could have gotten, Vic. You got some that you wish we could have gotten? Because I can think of two right off the bat. Or three. Uh, I mean, obviously the Punk being wall match. Yep, we were going to get that. And that's so fucked, man. I mean, dude, I, to this day, I would love uh, Benoit and Nakamura. Probably because I'm watching Nakamura walk out, watch through the ring right now. But, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I think that could have been awesome. Uh, 
uh, Benoit versus Owens or Zane, any of the new crowd, man, I think could have been real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was thinking, I was thinking, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's the one I'd really want. Just because, you know. Yeah, I, forgot. I forgot we never even got that. They beat the shit out of each other, I guarantee it. Daniel Bryan's chest is so red by the end of it. Uh, the battle of the diving headbutt. Yep. And then, um, you know, um, AJ Styles. Love to see that. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see him versus Hero or Cash Zono, but that, you know, like Ricochet, they're all on lower levels. But I'm talking about people who are actually in the main roster during this time. I mean, Kevin Owens would have been fun just to see the Canadians go at it, you know. Sami Zayn would have sold like a million bucks for Benoit. I mean, there's, there's just so much shit we lost on a... You think he would have been retired by now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to really say, like... You got to think he's the type of guy that would never fucking retire. Yeah, like, he, I don't think... He, I, mean, I think he would still be going as strong as he could, you know what I'm saying? I like how you tagged him. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, the time of the month in wrestling where people die, apparently. So let's hope that James and, and Victor didn't have a murder-suicide going on. <laughs> That'd be fucked up. <laughs> Poor James. That'd be horrible. Yeah. That'd be fucked up. <laughs> That's horrible. All right. So, you know, now that we've touched briefly on the Chris Benoit subject, let's get into Rock and Rebel, pick. And we talked about it last week a little bit. But, you know, we're we're now what? Fuck, like, how long ago was this, man? It was only, like, June 1st when this shit happened, so it was, like, I don't know, 11 Um, days ago? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't long. And, you know, I'm looking at a uh, Fox News report about it. It says, pro wrestler Rockin' Rebel kills wife and apparent murder-suicide, police say. And, you know, a professional wrestler who is known as Rockin' Rebel, they say the Rockin' Rebel, but his name was fucking Rockin' Rebel, well, ECW had him pinned as the Rock and Rebel, but anyway, family shot his wife before turning the gun on himself in an apparent murder-suicide inside their Pennsylvania home late last week, police said. So basically, what you're telling me is that she got it better than Nancy did, because uh, Nancy, her sounded like it was slow and painful. Yeah, yeah. Am I mistaken in that assumption? Because what I heard was that, you know, that she was tied up and fucking strangled just like mercilessly there's blood everywhere I don't know man I think she got it easy compared to Nancy <laughs> hey you, give James the number he, he said he'll take his place alright <laughs> here that's fine James Anthony will call <laughs> fucked up hang on real quick don't give me a second uh, James Anthony's a fool <laughs> he's got a He's the he's the Victor Andrews fill-in. Hang on, uh, I'm messing this is probably racism Say what? I said this is probably racism somewhere. You can't have a black guy filling for another black guy. That's his fault. He's the one that did it. <laughs> right, you I'm think James? Uh, <laughs> huh? I said you think James Anthony does horror? He's going to now. 
He's going to be talking about Benoit and fucking Rock and Rebel, whether he likes it or not. I mean, once upon a time, Congo Kong called our show. Cage Cutler called our show. Uh, Madman Pond. Anybody else on this? Harry Palmer, Corporal Robinson. I mean, this show is just a fucking hodgepodge of people. So, Fat Gabby Brown. <laughs> what, what was she, like, three fifty? She's, like, three fifty. is that what you said? No, like what do we call it? Salt water? Oh, I said she smells like salt water from all the fucking dudes yeah. and all over. Remember when they used to call? <laughs> what happened to yeah. that? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so the injuries to the couple indicated William shot his fifty year old wife and then himself in the couple's living room, police said. Other family members were at the home when police arrived on the scene. No other injuries were reported. So you gotta figure with his age. The family members were pretty young. I mean, family pretty old, I was going to say. Not like three and five. It's unclear, yeah. it's unclear what led to the deadly shooting, but neighbors told WPVI police were called to the home on several occasions. They were quiet. They kept themselves. Told news station there were always problems over there, and the police were there a lot. So, messed up situation. And I think we have James Anthony on the line. What's up, James? What's going on, guys? How you been doing? <laughs> doing good, man. Victor Andrews, he was like uh, putting it out there that he wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, well, we do a horror podcast. You know, now that's basically what we do. Do you want to come on? And he's like, hell yeah. And then he just disappeared off the face of the earth today. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think he actually might be training tonight. Uh, so, he probably either got caught up with that or he's just being a slacker. <laughs> well, that's okay because, you know, one of the things we were going to talk about is his appearance on Raw. And I know another guy who's appeared on Raw recently, unless it was SmackDown. I'm pretty sure it was Raw, though. Um, and he's on the line. So tell me how that all, like, took place, man. Oh, man, it was an, um, it was an awesome experience, I have to admit. Um, you know, about a year ago, we had uh, Tim Hughes and Bob Evans come out to Ring Wars, Carolina, in Lumberton, North Carolina. And um, after the show, uh, Bob Evans told me and Victor personally, he like, make sure you get up with Timmy because he has um, the email for John Cone. So we um, got the email from Tim, and Tim told us what to say and what to ask for. And, um, you know, at that time, I think John was doing uh, stuff for NXT, and then he eventually started doing stuff for Raw and SmackDown. Um, you know, Vince's had a couple of shots with NXT. I haven't gotten to go out there just yet. Um, and then he also got, you know, to do the bit on Raw, as you saw with the Lashley sisters. And uh, I want to say about about a month before I contacted John Cone, I was at home watching Raw, and I saw that SmackDown was coming to the Raleigh area for um, a PNC. And I was like, oh, maybe I should hit up John and see if, I could potentially get a spot doing some enhancement talent work or doing whatever they need. So I hit up John in the email, and I was like, hey, you know, I live in Raleigh in, in North Carolina, and I'm only, like, five minutes from PNC. If you guys, um, if you guys like, need any extra talent or anything, you know, just let me know, and I can, I can be out there. And he hit me back up and told me that he would keep me in mind. Uh, he normally books about uh, four weeks before the show, and that um, he would definitely let me know something. So about – you know, a couple of weeks go by, hadn't heard nothing. It's the beginning of May now, and I remember just sitting here thinking, like, man, I haven't heard nothing back from John Cone. I'm like, maybe they found some other guys, or they thought maybe they don't have nothing. 
And that Wednesday morning when I woke up about 6 o'clock to get ready for work, um, I saw in my email that he had sent me an email saying that I was being invited out to Raw and SmackDown for the uh, Raw tapings in Richmond and then SmackDown that Tuesday. So, um, you know, I got all excited. You know, I didn't really tell a lot of people. You know, I told, like, family, friends. I told my girlfriend. And uh, I told my, my boss at work so they knew where I was going to be those two days I was gone. And I, I, I can honestly say it was an amazing experience. You know, um, that Monday um, I went out there to Richmond. Um, I actually bought a new suit. Uh, I had an all-white suit. You probably uh, you probably saw it on Facebook and Instagram and everything. Um, I went and got that, bought some new shoes. And, uh, you know, when I got there that Monday, you know, um, you go to the you went to the extra talent locker room and, you know, we just waited around. Uh, me and the other extras got to know each other and we met up with John Cone. And, you know, um, you're pretty much just waiting to see what they need to do for the night. You know, you pretty much just either sit in your locker room or just, you know, sit in catering and just hang out and chill, and uh, you wait to be told what to do. Um, I want to say about 6 o'clock, maybe about 5.30, 6 o'clock, um, they came up to us and said all the male extras were needed at ringside um, to see what they want us to do. And um, pretty much, you know, uh, me and another guy were selected by uh, Michael Hayes to play the two, the two EMT that you saw with Seth Rollins. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good experience. Uh, on Tuesday, we, um, we we had little five-minute tryout matches, and, you know, that was a little nerve-wracking because um, you get, you, you're you doing the tryouts in front of John Cone and Dean Malenko and, and uh, uh, Scott Armstrong, and you have some of the other uh, WWE superstars that are watching. So it can be a little nerve-wracking, but like I said, it was a great experience. I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to going back and doing it again, looking forward to hopefully – uh, going down to maybe SmackDown. Actually, not SmackDown. Excuse me. Looking forward to going down to NXT one day, uh, doing some stuff out there. And like I said, it was an amazing experience. I would, I would, I really hope that some more people that I know get the opportunity to go out there and, you know, fulfill that dream and live that out one day. So one of the things that we always hear about with uh, people that you know, I'll give you an example. Crazy Mary Dobson before she was, of course, Sarah Logan talked about how great their catering was, and that you know she was she was always working on her body, and that it ruined her body. How great was the catering there? Since you got to spend so much time in catering. Oh man, catering is amazing. I'm not gonna lie. I, I never saw so much food in all my life. It's it is amazing. You know, um, they have all types of food there for everybody. You know, you got. Uh, you got salads, you got fruits, you got different vegetables, different meats, different uh, entrees, you know, all kind of drinks that you got uh, soda, water, coffee, you know, you can make frappuccinos, milk, juice. Like, they have everything there for everybody, you know. They make everybody feel comfortable. Um, people are out there every minute uh, filling up the trays, putting new drinks out, putting out chips. And it's like a mini buffet because, you know, they start off with breakfast stuff and then they, they they let the breakfast go for a little bit and then they start off with they send out some lunch stuff and then, um, you know, after that they, they get prepared for dinner, you know, different meals for dinner and stuff like that. I mean, it's just it, – it's amazing, you know. They, I mean, it's a lot of food, you know, but – you know, um, you know, you're told to go in and enjoy, you know, don't be afraid, just go in and enjoy. And, you know, um, a lot of us guys, well, a lot of the, all the extras, we just, you know, we all sat together and got to know each other, you know, exchanged some contacts, talked about the different shows we do and, 
you know, just pretty much just, just all, like, became like a group of friends, became like a small family, you know. Um, I knew, you know, I know some of the guys there. Like, I know Cedric from here in the Carolinas. I knew uh, Lince Dorado because uh, when I first started out in Florida, we did some shows together. So me and him reconnected. We exchanged numbers, and uh, he told me if I needed anything, let him know, and, you know, he'd help out the best way he could. And, you know, like, if I'm ever in the Florida area, let him know. I can come over to the house. We can train, do whatever. So, like I said, it was a – it was a great experience. Like I said, the Acadian is amazing. You know, um, I really, I don't know. I, I guess my, I guess the older I get, the, the worse, the, uh, the worse my appetite gets. Because I could only eat like two plates, and I was done for the whole day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you talked about some of the people that you knew uh, prior to, and it's funny that you bring up guys like Cedric and Lindsay Dorado. I mean, these are guys that like with the old indie power rankings, there were guys that we, we knew and we, we had talked to and hell we ranked just like you. Um, but what about the people that maybe, you know, you didn't know from the indies? Did you get to have any conversations with like a Seth Rollins or anybody just to, um, you know, kind of pick their brain or even just, you know, small talk? You know, I didn't. Um, I remember, um, after I got the email, I remember, um, I know. I realized that I was going to be doing a few shows with uh, Scott, uh, John Schuyler because, you know, John's been out there several times. So we did uh, PWF together um, last month up in uh, Huber, North Carolina. And I told him during the show, I said, hey, man, before you leave, I want to talk to you. He said, okay, no problem. And after the show was over, after we, uh, after we got done packing up and breaking down and everything, I remember I pulled him aside and I asked him. I said, hey, man, I was like, um, I just wanted to let you know that we don't want to talk to you because – I'm going to be going to do Raw and SmackDown the Richmond Rally, and I was curious to know if you would, would mind giving me some advice, some tips on what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. Because you've been up there so many times, like you know, any advice you can give. And you know, John was really, you know, he's really cool about it. He was like, "Yeah, man, you know, just me go out there, and be yourself. You know, I've seen you in the ring. You're a great wrestler. Just go out there. And, you know, if you get a tryout match, go out there and just be yourself. Just be you. Just, you know, just you know, don't try to be somebody else. Just be you and you know, he was like, don't worry about going out there trying to shake hands and speak to everybody because, you know, it's, it's impossible because they're going to be trying to get ready for the night. They're going to be trying to get ready for the matches. They're going to be trying to get ready for whatever they're going to be doing. You know, so don't feel like you have to shake everybody's hand. But if somebody comes up and shakes your hand, yeah, you shake their hand. You tell them who you are and, you know, just go from there. I remember I saw C.W. Anderson on Sunday at a show, and we talked for a little bit. I pulled him aside being that he worked for WWE for a little bit. You know, I pulled him aside and asked him the same questions, and he was pretty much the same thing. He was like, you know, just go in and be yourself, be respectful. You know, um, you know, you, we know you got, you know, we, we know that you're going to go up there and be fine. He said, but just go in there and be respectful, just go in there and, you know, just, you know, just be you. He's like, you know, but just stay out of everybody's way. You know, don't try to mark out and that stuff. I mean, that's, you know, common sense stuff. But, you know, I, he was just like, um, you know, if you see Vince McMahon or Triple H or Stephanie, if you see them by themselves, you just go up and introduce yourself. Or if you see that they're busy or they're on their phone, just keep it moving. You know, they know, uh, you know, what you're there for. And that was another thing that John Scott said. He was like, a lot of the guys that, are, that you're going to see, they're going to know why you're there. They're going to know if you're, you're an extra. So they're going to already know that you're a little nervous, you're a little scared, you're already on edge as it is. So they're not going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, be upset if you don't shake their hands or acknowledge them or stuff like that. Um, but, no, you know, basically, no, you basically just go in there and you, you know, you just pretty much just chill. You know, you pretty much just, you're there to just do whatever needs to be done. You know, if you see somebody in the hallways, you know, yeah, you speak and shake hands. Like, for instance, Brian Kendrick, 
came up to all of us both days and shook our hands and said hello and it was nice to see us. And, you know, for Brian Kendrick, you know, he, that's how he started out it was as an extra, you know. So he knows what the deal was all about. Uh, Bobby Lashley spoke to us. Uh, a few of the other guys and girls spoke to us. So, you know, it's a very friendly environment from what I saw, to be honest. Is there any kind of um, difference in the, the – ed- Okay, from what you can tell, obviously you're not on the road with them. And you don't know for sure. But, you know, for, for the time that you were there, is there any kind of a difference in etiquette between being on the indies um, and, and just being in that type of atmosphere? Because I, I don't know if people realize this, but in wrestling, it, it's different than most walks of life. Like when you shake hands, you've got the dead fish handshake. There's all sorts of different things that you're supposed to do. And from what I'm hearing from you, you didn't have to walk around the locker room and introduce yourself to everybody. And from what I understand, that's different than an indie locker room. Well, yeah, like I said, it, it was really different, you know. And you see a lot of things that you wouldn't normally see at a regular indie show. Like, for instance, we had to be there. At a regular indie show, you might show to – an to a, a building at a, you know, maybe two or three hours before the show starts. You know, here we were told to be there by 1 o'clock. We couldn't come into the building until 20 minutes to 1, you know. Um, you know, everybody's running around trying to get things situated. Everybody's running around trying to make sure that they got all their stuff lined up. You know, everybody has a different job. You know, everybody has a certain thing to do. You know, everybody has a, a certain position that they have to be in. And, you know, it's just, it's a, I can tell you, being backstage for two days, it's a lot of work. It is a, a lot goes in to a WWE show more than I think people know. You know, at a regular indie show, you get there early, you help set the ring up, you help set up a, a little small entranceway, and you're done. You know, you're probably done setting up within an hour. At a WWE event, you know, those guys are probably there. From what I was told, they're, they're there at probably like, you know, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, setting the ring up, setting the lighting ring up, setting the stage up, setting up the – announcer's table, setting up the catering, setting up the locker rooms, getting the trucks. I mean, it's a lot, a lot to do out there. And, yes, it is very different, um, like, handshake-wise. Because I remember, I'm not going to say any names, but one of the guys I was with, when we went to go shake Devon's hand, Devon watched our match, and when he went to shake Devon's hand, he kind of gave him, like, that 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 half handshake. It wasn't like that full grip handshake. And Devon was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was like, you got to – um." He's like, you got to, um, you know, you got to shake somebody's hand. Like, you got to put your whole grip into this man, to a handshake. He's like, Cause if you would have shook Magic Man's hand like that, you know, it, it probably would have been a bad day for you. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's really different up there. You know, it, it's really, like I said, it's laid back, but it's very professional out there. You know, like I said, everybody was on pins and needles. You know, at an indie show, you know, you know, most at every indie show you go to, everybody knows each other. So everybody walks in laughing and joking here. You walk in and you're kind of just like, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to look at somebody the wrong way. You don't want to wander off into the wrong area. You know, we were told we could only be in three three places. That was in the locker room, catering, or in the arena. And that was until they started, you know, letting people in and getting the show together, you know. So it's very, like I said, it's very different. It's a very different environment when you go out to a WWE show. And like I said, you know, if you're at one of your local indie shows, you know, it, like I said, it's a very just it's just very different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. Here, here's something I wanted to uh, just kind of introduce for everybody. Now that everybody knows that we're talking to somebody who's um, recently on Raw with a nice little guest appearance, and uh, it, 
introduce yourself to people who maybe don't know who James Anthony is. Um, we've always, we obviously know you well, and we've talked to you for a long time. But, you know, tell everybody when you started wrestling and, and who trained you. Well, you know, the name is James Anthony. Uh, real name is James Miranda. Um, I started training in 2010 when I was 23. I moved from Henderson, North Carolina, to Tampa, Florida. Uh, I moved in with my aunt and uncle, and they took me in for three months because I went and trained at FCW, what we all now know today as NXT. Um, at that time, FCW was known as Florida Championship Wrestling, and that was the original developmental place for WWE talent. Um, that's where a lot of guys that we know today came from, guys like EC3 and uh, David Otunga and Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, and you know the list just goes on and on and on. And um, I moved out there in 2010 and trained for three months from June through September of uh, 2010. And we were trained by Steve Kern and Norman Smiley in what was then known as the beginner's class. You know, I wasn't signed to any contract. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I wasn't signed to any contract. You just paid a certain amount of money, and you trained for three months by these two men. Um, you know, there was times that a couple of guys would come in and help train, like uh, EC3, David Otunga, you know, Richie Steamboat was there at the time. He helped train with us. Um, a few other guys that were there helped train us, and we did that for three months. Um, after we were done training in September 2010, I went out and did some small little local independent shows. And I stayed in Florida until 2012 um, and moved back home to North Carolina. Uh, I moved back to North Carolina because at that time there was a, there was a lot of politics going on in Florida at the time, you know, and only being two years in, you know, you could see that there was a lot of politicking going on. Um, a lot of guys were coming to certain shows, and there was a lot of things going on that, you know, that I just felt like, you know, I needed to get out and maybe go to some place where I can really build a name for myself. Because at the time, the state of Florida was really cluttered with a lot of talent. Because at that time, in 2012, when I was leaving Florida, a lot of guys like Jay Lethal and, you know, Chris Hero and, um, uh, Eric Bischoff's son, Garrett, uh, Wes Briscoe, um, Roger Strong. A lot of these guys uh, had either gotten released from, like, TNA or Ring of Honor, and they were trying to come out to local independent shows and trying to, you know, keep their name alive. And, you know, like I said, a lot of politicking went on. Uh, so I moved back to North Carolina in uh, 2012, and I hooked up with a couple of different independent shows and made a big name for myself. Um, I really made a name for myself at mostly – AIWF Wrestling Promotions. Um, I made a big name for myself at Ring Wars Carolina. Um, I made a name for myself um, pretty much at anything that was local in the the North Carolina areas. Um, like I said, so I did a lot of I did a lot of shows at, at Ring Wars Carolina, uh, AIWF Mid Atlantic Wrestling, which is out in Mount Airy. I was doing um, some shows here in Kenston, North. Carolina for UWC, which was known as Universal Wrestling Council. Um, I was also doing some shows for a place called Impact uh, Championship Wrestling, not to be confused with Impact Wrestling. It was a local independent show that was based out of um, the Lewisburg area. And, um, you know, I just did local little independent show here and there. Um, I started making a name for myself in Tennessee. Um, and actually, to go back a little bit, uh, Impact Championship Wrestling, which is known as ICW, is where I met uh, my tag partner, uh, Victor Andrews, and that's where we kind of hooked up and linked up, and, you know, that's where the whole first-generation saga began there. Um, from there on out, you know, I just 
you know, got better in the ring, made a name for myself, and just started traveling out, you know, getting going to different places. Um, I've been, you know, I've wrestled in Tennessee and Florida and West Virginia, Virginia. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've, I've wrestled up in uh, New York. I've wrestled up in, um, you know, uh, the uh, North South Carolina area, North Carolina area, Georgia. Uh, I've been in Mississippi. You know, I love to travel, so I try to get out as much as I can. I've been to Rhode Island. Um, I'm working on getting my passport now because I really want to go to Canada and wrestle. I would love to go out, you know, definitely go out and get in Japan one day. Um, you know, I've just done whatever I can to make a name for myself. You know, I, I stay away from all the drama. You know, I mostly do a lot of traveling by myself. A lot of guys do like to travel with me, you know, so most of the time I'll travel with a couple of guys that I know and I can trust. But most of the time, you know, I just stay to myself and do my own thing, you know, um, I've been doing this for eight years now. Actually, September of this year will be eight years. And actually, later on next week will be eight years that I started training. So I'm coming up on almost 10 years now in the wrestling business. That's crazy. That's, you know, uh, just to think, you know, how long you've been doing this stuff and, and all the things that have happened within, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Before I wanted, Before I get into a subject that I really wanted to talk about on this show. I wanted to talk about one more thing. You always say that you stay away from the drama, and you do. Anytime somebody says something negative to you on Facebook, I notice that you deflect it, and I'm really impressed with the way you do it because I I can't imagine. Like, I'd probably get blackballed really fast if I were a wrestler because I just couldn't put up with some of the shit. And I know he's not listening, so I feel like I can kind of say this. Like Chase Owens. I like Chase Owens. But, like, you posted a picture of you with the trophy on the grass because it was an outside show, and he said something along the lines of, you know, that doesn't look very professional. And I just thought to myself, could he fucking message that to you? And I know you didn't, like, fire back at him because you're just not that type of guy, and, and you respect, you know, the veterans. Not that you're not one at this point, but um, did, did that kind of rub you the wrong way at all? I mean, do you kind of have to rein yourself in from time to time? I even... Forget, I don't really curse, but I'm going to go ahead and say, I didn't really get two shits myself, to be honest with you, you know, and I just kept, I, I kept it moving, you know, because it's, it's like I said, I don't, you know, even if I were to fire back and said something, it would have just started a bunch of mess, and, you know, I like Chase Owens, you know, I've been on a couple of shows with him, you know, I don't have no, no, no kind of problems with him, I'm happy for all of his success, you know, but, you know, it, it's like somebody... You know, somebody inboxed me and even said the same thing. Like, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you send on the chase? And I was like, I told him, Chase is Chase. You know, he just, that's just mm-hmm. how he's always been. You know, from the time I've met him, that's just how he's always been. You know, that's just how he is. And, you know, it, I mean, he made a good, I mean, I'll be honest, he did make a good point, you know. Um, but at the time, you know, we were, it was starting to rain. So we were trying to, like, like hurry and take pictures so we can get the rain taken down and everything. Because, you know, it, it rained for almost an hour so we almost had to cancel the event, but it stopped raining. The sun came out. We were able to get everything back in order. I helped set up some things for the guys so that we wouldn't drag no kind of mud and stuff into the ring. And, you know, I'll give them credit. Yeah, maybe I should have waited to take it, but I didn't because, like I said, the guy that was in charge of the show, he really wanted to get a picture because he wanted to get on his on his website and stuff. But it's like you said, bro, you got to learn to just, you know, you, you learn to stay away from certain drama. You learn to, you learn to just, you know, if you, if you, it's like I tell people, you know, if you just, ignore people, they won't bother you because eventually they're going to be like, okay, well, there's nothing I can say that's going to get to this person. So, you know, you just keep it moving. You know, like I said, I, I saw the comment. And I, that's why I said what I said. Like I just told him, hey, it was an outside show. Even some other guy came back and was like, oh, you know, get a green green screen. It's like, you know, I've seen 
people do the same thing all the time, and it's never an issue. So I was, like I said, I just kept it moving. I don't deal with all that. I don't deal with the Facebook drama. That's not what I have Facebook for. I have Facebook to promote, to be motivational, to make people laugh, to, you know, uh, connect with other promotions. You know, I have guys hitting me up now, asking me to watch their matches, and promoters want me to come to their shows, promoters seeing all my success, you know, and that's what it's all about. You know, I don't get on there to get into all the drama. I don't, I don't get on there to try to piss people off or to take sides with this project. No, that's not that's not the kind of guy I am. Like you said, you know me for years now, so you know that's not the kind of guy I am. I don't do that kind of stuff. And like you said, you know, if it really was a real issue, he could have been boxing and something, but he didn't. You know, he did it the way he did. I responded back. You know, and nothing else was said about it. So, you know, like you say, you, know, you leave it alone. And if there's any younger wrestlers listening, just know that people are going to say what they want to say about you, but you got to learn to be the bigger person and just ignore it and just, you know, keep your nose clean and keep your head held high, you know, because people are going to hate on you no matter what you do, so. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good advice, too. I mean, because there's a lot of times where people would just get sucked into that and it'd be really easy, and then they get blackballed from whatever promotion, let's say, that Chase Owens works for. Because, you know, somebody feels like they need to take a side and screw that. So, you, you exactly. Just, you know, you deflected, you, you made sure it didn't become a bigger issue than it was. So, I was just curious of how you feel about Because, you know, that's not the only time I've seen somebody say something like that. So, I'm not just throwing shade at Chase. Um, there's a lot of guys like that in the wrestling business that, and maybe not just Chase, but other guys who, who, you know, this grizzled old vet attitude where they have to criticize things. But I get it. I get it. Where you just kind of, eh, okay, it is what it is. But um, okay, so I kind of give you a background on this show because you you ended up being a last minute fill in, and I don't want to I don't want to take away from that the, the fact of what we were going to talk uh, to Victor about, and I want to talk to you about it just the same as I would of him. Um, one year ago was the 10th anniversary of the Chris Benoit, you know, tragedy. It, it was terrible. And we talked to Thomas Brewington, Congo Kong, um, Brittany Wonder, a bunch of people on the show, Zodiac. We, we just had a bunch of wrestlers from all over the place, and they were just kind of giving their thoughts 10 years later. And now here we are, and about 12 days. It's going to be 11 years later. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts. You said You mentioned that, you know, talking about almost 10 years in the business. So that means that you kind of got rolling with this whole thing about a year after the whole Benoit family tragedy. Well, at, you know, obviously being a wrestling fan, seeing that happen, did that give you any kind of misgivings about getting into the wrestling business? Uh, you know, when the whole Benoit scandal went down, I was about, I want to say 20 years old. I remember... At that time, I really wasn't big on the Internet. You know, I really wasn't on, like, the Internet like that yet. I really wasn't, you know, like the Internet nerd. So you got to think, you know, I sound old, but, you know, back then, you know, there was no Facebook. You know, there was no Twitter. You know, we had MySpace, and that really wasn't as big as Facebook is. But I can remember um, I can remember the week before watching Benoit on, on uh, uh, ECW, um, qualifying to wrestle CM Punk uh, at Night of Champions for the ECW Championship. Um, like I said, I didn't have, I wasn't on the internet like that yet. But I remember I had to, I remember I did work on Sunday still. And I remember I went home and I remember I was like, okay, the first thing I want to do when I get home is check the WWE.com to see all the results from the pay-per-view so I can be caught up on Raw the next night. And I remember I saw that Johnny Nitro had won the ECW championship. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. 
And I remember I got to read into the story, and they were like, oh, you know, Chris Van Wild wasn't able to make the show due to a family emergency. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's probably part of a storyline or something. And I remember I worked on Monday, so I had to tape it. And I remember when I got home and I put it on, I remember seeing that it said that Kristen Waugh had uh, passed away. And, you know, you don't really you, – like, you're kind of confused, like, because you don't know what's going on. And I remember I got on the Internet the next day because I was off of work. I remember reading through it, and that's when it came out that it was, a, you, know, a, 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 you know, a suicide, homicide type deal. And, um, you know, I remember reading the whole story and reading about how the, how the thing, thing happened, you know, and, you know, it was just a really, it was a really sad, sad story. Um, you know, I was a big Chris Benoit fan. Um, you know, I study a lot of his, I like, I like to watch a lot of his stuff, and um, I like to uh, still watch his matches, you know. Um, I remember... Um, I remember for a long time, you know, a lot of people might even know this, but for a long, long time, you know, Chris Benoit's name was not even to be mentioned by WWE. You know, there was a time where they took him off of all their products completely. You know, I remember when I first got in the business and the one guy that I trained with, he went and got the, I think WWE had came out at that time with the Elimination Chamber pay-per-views all on one DVD. And I remember he was saying that they made sure they never got one close-up of Benoit's face and, um, you know, I think it's come out over the years that some of the guys that have worked there have said that it was really hard at one time to, uh, you know, do stuff because it was hard to try to edit out everything that had Chris Benoit in it. I remember when I was in Florida a few years after I got into business, they wanted to do a Chris Benoit Memorial Tournament. And, um, you know, the guy that was putting on the show wanted me in it. And I was like, well, I was, I'll do it. I said, I don't see a problem with it. But, a lot of the guys had backed out because they didn't want no part of that because they didn't, they, you know, his name wasn't something that they that they thought at the time should be remembered. Um, I'm glad that now, ten years later, that we're able to talk about it, we're able to see some of his matches. That WWE's finally letting us, you know, enjoy. I don't want to say enjoy, but they're letting us remember who he was. You know, I'm glad we're getting to remember him for the great body of work that he did, the great matches that he had with so many great wrestlers. Um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I, I guarantee you, a lot of young wrestlers probably don't even know who Chris Benoit is, and they probably never will because, like you said, you know, he's not somebody who's really talked about. But, um, you know, I don't, it, didn't really, it didn't really affect my career. Um, you know, I do remember there was an incident where, um, where Kevin Sullivan had heard about who I was. I think somebody asked about me on a podcast because he's from the North Carolina area. I think he either he lived in North Carolina or he was living in North Carolina at the time, and somebody had brought his name up, and he said he doesn't know me personally, but he's heard nothing but a lot of good things about me and that, you know, um, whatever I'm doing, to keep doing it because I'm on the right track. And I can remember I put that on my Facebook page, and a friend of mine had made a comment and was like, you know, why would you want to give praise to a guy that we all know killed Chris Benoit and his family? Oh, and my God. I rem- yeah, and I remember inboxing the guy. I said, hey, man, listen, you know, no disrespect. I was like, we don't know the whole story. We don't know what really happened. We don't know if that is the true story or if Benoit did it himself. I said, we don't know. And I said, I'd appreciate you took that comment off. I said, because I don't want my name in no type of scandal. I don't want my name in no type of drama. 
So I'll make it a take that comment off. And I remember the guy when it took it off, and he inboxed me and apologized, and he said that, you know, he didn't mean no disrespect by it, but he just felt he just felt like it was weird that I was giving praise to somebody like that. And I was like, listen, I don't know the whole story. I don't know what's going, what happened. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm believing what everybody else is believing, and I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, the only people that can tell us what really happened, they're not here. You know, and I said that's just the best. That's what everybody needs to do. It's just everybody needs to just leave it alone and just let it die out. And you know, that's just not something that you want to. You know, that's not something you really want to go around and say. I mean, that's some, I mean, that's some serious, some serious stuff when you say stuff like that because, you know, that's. I mean, that's been thrown around for years. That that's what think, people think happened, but you know, nobody can prove that. So you know, people have to really be careful when they talk about, you know, Benoit and the whole Benoit scandal. You know, but you know, as for me, yeah, you know, it's never really been, you know, it, it was, you know, it was, it, it's a scary situation, you know, because, you know, I mean, a lot, the business has changed a lot since then, you know, the whole, you know, hitting, you know, you know, hitting people in the head with chairs is no longer allowed, you know, WWE now will put you on the website if you fail a drug test. You know, they'll put you out there for failing the drug test. You know, I mean, a lot has changed since the whole. Benoit incident, you know, matter of fact, sports in general has changed, you know, you know, now people take concussions very, very seriously, you know, it's a serious matter, you know, so uh, I, I think the Benoit situation changed the wrestling business for the good, some might say it changed it for the bad, but, you know, um, as for me, I've I've never really it's never really affected me. It's never really got got to me like that. But, you know, um, I wish I would have gotten a chance to meet Chris one day. But, um, you know, hey, I, like I said, I, I enjoy the guy's work, you know, and, and I, I used to love watching him grow up as a kid. I used to watch him in WCW. I remember when he first came to WWF at the time. And, you know, I watched his whole whole WWF career. So, you know, like I said, it was a, it was a tragedy. You know, and you know, it, it was sad the way we lost him. But, you know, like I said, at least we got his. You know, at least we have the matches on WWE Network to remember all of his bodies of work from WCW to ECW to WWE. Though. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I, I mentioned this last year, and we did the podcast. Ben Wall was my favorite wrestler ever. So it rocked my world whenever that happened. I mean, rocked my world. Like, I just, I mean, I was like, didn't know what to do. Even to this day, it's weird for me to watch a Benoit match because in the back of my mind, it's right there. By the way, that Kevin Sullivan thing, I've noticed that there are people out there in the wrestling business like Hornswoggle who don't think Benoit killed their family. But the one thing that I don't hear from people actually in the business is that Kevin Sullivan was involved. That's completely from people who are not in the business. Hey, Victor Andrews is calling, I think. What's up, Victor? Are you on there? What's going on, fellas? Yo, I am so sorry. I was in training, and we got this movie that we're getting ready to shoot, so we're kind of um, setting up for that. I chose for my lateness. How's everybody doing? It's Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. Um, so first of all, um, this is my interview now, because they actually have hey, to tag hey. me in because you were smacking hey. slacker. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. At least one of us out of first generation actually trains. Uh, uh, Plum Ferry. Oh, well, first of all, you know where I'm at tonight, and I already told you, so I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear oh. it. Well, well, second of all, how you doing, James? I miss you. How you Whatever. Uh-huh. You know why? He's only saying that, ladies and gentlemen. 
we can't sit around and judge these people because they are wrestlers or superstars. They are still human beings. They are still people. And we have to realize that there are people out there that are dealing with things on a daily basis. There are people out there who have suicide thoughts, who have mental illnesses, who have things where they're going through so much stress where they feel like just ending it all is much easier than dealing with it every day. So we can't sit around and judge these people. We've got to find ways to help these people, well, to help everyone. And that's my take on it. You know, it's funny that you talk about uh, the steroid issue and all that. And because, um, and just a little personal info, in October I'm going to Salem, Massachusetts, okay? And trust me, there's a connection here. I'm going to Salem, Massachusetts, you know, the home of the Salem Witch Trials. And I think to myself, you know, 11 years ago after the Benoit family tragedy, there's a key term that comes up in my mind, and it's called witch hunt. And when the Benoit thing happened, it was a witch hunt. Every single news network in the world were getting every washed up, and no offense to the wrestlers, washed up wrestlers who had no idea about what happened on to testify about steroids, which it turns out that probably didn't even have a, much of a role in the whole thing. But, I mean, did you guys feel like that whole thing 11 years ago? I know you were pretty young at the time. Um, hell, I was young at the time. But was it not a witch hunt? I mean, look, look at how the media jumped on the entire thing. Like once once that happened with the Benoit family, they all tested on steroids. They all tested on the different drugs. They all tested on to oh, you know, these wrestlers out here doing this, all these different things and you know, he got he took bumps and he had all these concussions and whatever. My thing is Ali never killed anybody. And and boxers take more risks than we do. They take more blows to the head than we do. You know, there's boxers out there that do take steroids. And I feel like they, they latched on and they went on a witch hunt, as you say, for the wrestlers because it was a wrestler. It was a well-renowned wrestler who everyone looked up to, everyone wanted to be like, everyone bought all his, all his merchandise and everything like that. WWE helped him, had him on the highest of, um, you know, of the roster. And that happened, and it was like, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do? And then, you know, not nothing against WWE of how they handled the situation, but they had to do what they had to do. They had to renounce all affiliations with him and the family because of what was being told what happened. Again, like I said, nobody truly knows what happened, and and that's where you know the the, the problem comes in. Is in, and whenever things happen in the wrestling industry and in the wrestling community. We do get on a, a witch hunt. We do get looked at as, as okay, you know, these guys are dangerous. You know, my girlfriend that I live with now, when she first met me, she was like, she gets questions all the time. You know, is he is he aggressive? Is does he yell at the kids a lot? You know, is he mean in person? You know, because he just looked like he would just hurt somebody. And and I'm the most nicest guy you ever meet. You know, I I don't really raise my voice too much unless James is eating my cookies and cereal. But you know, shut up. <laughs> Outside of that, you know, I, you know, I, I don't get really aggressive, and and I feel like because we're put on such a, a magnifying glass in the spotlight that when something happens in this in this industry, everyone is being looked at, everyone is being picked at. So that's my take on it, James. Yeah, it's like I told you earlier. You know, I mean, 
people are going to say what they want to say. You know, people are going to speculate what they want to speculate. Nobody knows the real story. And like I told you earlier, the only ones that can tell us are no longer here. You know, so everybody just needs to just, you know, just like I told you, remember all the good about him, embracing his memory, and just leave it at that, you know. You know, you can speculate all you want to. You can say what you want to, but you're never going to find the true story. You know, the best you can do is just let it die out and just, you know, just enjoy and remember all his body work that he did and all the good he did when he was here on this earth. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, when that happened, you guys weren't in the business yet. Um, and so, obviously, I, I, you wouldn't be able to speak to this. But now, with the Rock and Rebel situation, and I understand the Rock and Rebel is not on the level of Benoit as far as the public and far as even in the wrestling business. But it had to make some sort of waves internally. I mean, was there was there any talk about this? So, you know, once this happened, I know you guys have still been working, you know, since this has gone on. Have you guys had locker room talk about this whole thing? Is it something like, well, shit, there goes another one? It's, it's basically like you, the the latter. It's just, well, there goes another one. Um, I haven't been approached about it. In fact, when it first happened, I saw, and me and James was on the road on our way to Indiana, and I saw a post and somebody said, I can't believe this happened, and I just saw, like, cryptic posts. No one ever said what was going on. Nobody mentioned any names, and it took, like, half the day to have someone to actually say what exactly happened. And it was like it happened. They talked about it for that day. Might have been a mention for the next day, and then that was it. It was it was nothing more. And now it may have been like the his wife's family speaking about it, and I saw a post people sharing posts about their side of it and how they felt about it. Um, but other than that, it was just for that weekend, and then that was it. So I haven't been approached about it at all. Yeah, I haven't had anybody say anything to me about it. You know, I know me and Victor uh, had talked about it on the way to Indiana, and that was pretty much it. You know, um, we were pretty much told not to talk about it. You know, uh, we were pretty much told to just, you know, wait for all the facts to come out and just leave it at that. And that's what we did. So that was that was it. Yeah, this, this obviously didn't create the witch hunt that the uh, that happened 11 years ago. It's so weird to watch those old news reports because you could tell that they had an agenda. And and now knowing more of the facts, not all the facts, obviously, it just seems so – they seem so ignorant of what actually happened. Yeah, I know we don't know for sure, but the, what they were going with clearly wasn't what happened. But anyway, I want to get away from that. I, I just wanted to kind of touch on that because I – You know, shit, I'll probably talk about this every single year on this podcast. I can't help it. But So it's Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures. The first thing I want to ask you guys as far as uh, (laughs) horror is, I mean, I know Victor's written a a script for a horror movie. James, are you a horror fan? I am. I'm a big fan of horror movies. Um, He lying. He lying. He's good at everything. (laughs) I I think he was talking to Look, he he won't even play with my son's Chucky doll. He he lying. He's scared. <laughs> <laughs> pay, his payout is not correct. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a podcast for another day. But no, no, I'm a big fan. I, I, I'm a big fan of horror movies. I really am. Um, I like a good horror movie. Um, I'm a big fan of like the uh, Friday Thirteenth trilogy. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, but Victor hasn't asked me to be in his next movie. It's kind of made me mad, but it's okay. 
Well, I was trying to be nice and not kill you on TV because, you know, I'm trying to kill you in real life. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I got to take the good over the bad. So, the next movie I write, I'll be sure to write it and say James dies in the first thing. How about that? Yeah, I did all my good checks. <laughs> so, Victor, what's your favorite horror movie, buddy? Oh, man, I love all the Freddy Kruegers. I love all the Jasons, all the Halloweens. Uh, right now, I'm waiting for the next Halloween movie to come out. I can't wait for that. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah. The whole storyline of it is going to be crazy. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people yes, out there. I, I had to post on our page to explain to people. There are a lot of people out there, Remy Wilkins included, who's a rest who, well, I guess he's kind of semi-retired now. But, like, people are just so confused about this. And I think, I think it seems pretty simple. They ignored everything after the first one. Simple enough. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's it. Like, don't even, you know, you don't even know that they were related. Because I was just talking to a couple of guys here training, and what's really, what really happened is they never wanted to, um, for Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers to be related. So, yeah, next movie is not even... Is a way yeah. to connect the two, and then he regretted it instantly because then he pigeonholed himself. Yeah, so so this next one is gonna be gonna be great. I think a lot of movies who claim to be horror. I mean, we've gotten to a point now where I've got to a point now nothing scary. So horror movies are not really scary for me anymore. It's more storyline for me. So and that's why you know with the movies I've written it made me want to write something because I want something to be like a situation where it can happen anywhere, anytime, any day. Like, uh, for instance, uh, The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very scary for me because it wasn't really realistic. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. see myself going somewhere and some old, you know, some spirit trying to kill. Like, it's not very realistic. But something like with my movie, um, uh, a gas station clerk killing two guys who he's trying to help um, whose car break down in his gas station, and he takes them home, and he sees them, and then they wake up the next morning and find a day in the basement of his of his house, and one's hooked to some chains, and the other one is, is on the table with the skin of his chest peeled back. Like, that's realistic, because it's like, you know, you can break down at a gas station, someone can offer to help you, and you can be, you know, willing to go in and get some help because you don't want to be stuck in a in a car overnight worrying about someone's going to kill you. So you go to somebody's house and, and you're thinking they're there to help you and you find out they're actually crazy and there to kill you. So, you know, I, I like the more realist, the realness of, of horror films rather than the fantasy. You know, I always kind of felt that way like The Strangers. I always felt like because of the realism of The Strangers that somebody could easily knock on your cabin in the middle of the night and what the hell are you going to do? That, that yeah. It made it creepier than others because of that. I don't know, the, the realism. Because I'm not scared of movies like The Conjuring. or Insidious kind of got to me a little bit. But as far as like ghost movies, most of those don't bother me. I see your point. Like I like things based in realism. So it sounds like yeah. on some level... You're kind of a slasher guy. You probably grew up with the same people I did, Jason, Freddy, Michael, Chucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because, you know, I mean, think about it. Michael Myers was all in the Halloween. So you can see a situation where you're out trick-or-treating and some crazy dude is walking around killing kids. That was realistic to me. I'm like, sure, I'm not going trick-or-treating. I mean, no dude's going to walk up on because everyone had a mask. 
You never know who's who and what's what. And it's just like the mm-hmm. strangers. They had masks. You didn't know who they were. You didn't know what their motive was. You didn't know what they wanted to do and why they were doing it. They never even revealed why they were doing it in the movie. Because the people ain't even asked them, why are you doing it? Because you're home. That was it. That did it for me. I was like, shoot, I'll, I'll never be home for uh, uh, never again. <laughs> if that's all it takes, I'm never home. In fact, turn the lights off, baby. Lock the doors and put the chair in front of the, the door. I'm, nobody's home. If the phone rings, don't answer it. <laughs> There's something extra disturbing about somebody breaking into your house to do things like that because it's like your safe space, you know what I mean? And once that's taken away from you, then it's no longer yours. Yeah, exactly. So, James, uh, have you have you read this script? And what do you know about it? And, and I know you are sad that you haven't got uh, offered to be involved, but I was curious. Uh, no, I think he actually, to be honest, I think he just really started working on it. So I don't think he's really fully finished with it yet. Uh, he did mention to me something about it. And I told him, you know, hey, man, if that's what your heart's at, you know, go for it. You know, I'll support you. You know, whatever you do, that's what I'm here for. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he writes out and seeing how, how it turns out. Like I said, uh, you know, I'll support him 100%, good or bad or whatever. So, Victor James, before you came on, uh, he talked about his experience on being on Raw. You've got a couple of experiences. First, talk about NXT with Lars Sullivan. That was fun to watch. And then uh, transition to uh, you being the sister of Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Well, the thing with Law Sullivan, I mean, it was, man, it was such a great experience. Like, uh, it it was about a year ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was about a a year anniversary of me having that opportunity. And from the time I walked through the door to the time I was getting in the car to come back to North Carolina was just surreal. Like, when I walked through the building and walked past one of the conference rooms, Triple H and Shawn Michaels and... Uh, Terry Taylor and all these different guys are sitting in his office, and I was like, yo. Like, because so, I had a homeboy with me who who helps me drive. His name is Sean. He helps me with all my travels whenever James is not available. And uh, I was like, Sean, you, you see who was in that room? He was like, nah, who? It was Triple H. He's like, okay, calm down. I said, I am calm. He said, then why are you screaming? I don't know. You screaming. <laughs> and then, and then we, we, walk, we kept walking, and then we walked past another door. Same office, and Sean Michaels was in. I was like, Sean. He's like, what? I said, Sean Michaels is right there. Man. <laughs> and he was like, calm down. I said, I am calm. And he said, why are you screaming? You were screaming. So it, it was it was, it was, was an exciting time because it was like the kid in me wanted to jump up and down and run down the hallway and act the daggone fool. But the adult and the professional in me is like, all right, keep yourself collected and calm because – we need this. We want this. We want to go ahead and, and, and get this check and get this opportunity. So, you know, I was there. I got to meet all the guys in, on, on the roster from NXT. I got to meet Triple H, Michael Hayes, Sean Michaels, uh, Cesaro, all these different guys, Michael Cole, and, and got to talk to him and learn some things. And Steve Carino was there, and he was like, yeah, you know, just go and have conversations with the guys. I was like, you sure? He said, yeah, you know, get to know everybody. And I was like, all right. And I just stood there. And he was like, Victor, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm going to come over and talk to you, Steve. He was like, why? I said, because I know you. <laughs> I don't know anybody else. 
I don't want to go there and bother nobody. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be in the way. He's like, no, you'll be fine. You know, go. And he started calling guys over. Like the first time I met Conor Reeves, you know, he called him over and we got to talk. Um, heavy machinery, got to talk to those guys. Also, Zipane, you know, all these different people. And um, you know, Michael Michael McGinnis had known known me from Ring of Honor. So he remembered me. He spoke to me and had a little conversation. But just the whole experience was great. I mean, when they came, told me what we, what I was doing as far as the match, and I was like, okay, cool. And they were trying to explain to me the whole storyline with Law Sullivan, and I was starting to talk to them, telling them, explaining them the whole storyline. I'm like, look, I watched the product. I know the stuff. And, like, when it came time to do rehearsals and go over the spots and, you know, working with heavy machinery, I was like, yeah, we trying to do this thing. I was like, yeah, you know, the contractor. He was like, oh, oh yeah, you know, I move. Yes, I watched the product. I know your stuff. You don't have nothing to worry about. Like, I got you. As long as you got me, I got you. I'm going to make you look good. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there, and we, we're kind of saying chit-chatting. And a funny story, Ricky Morton walks up. As I'm talking to Lars and Heavy Machinery, walks up to me, and I've known Ricky for years. I've worked matches with him. I've had seminars with him. I've got a chance to sit down and joke with him. Anytime I see him, I, got his, I can call him and talk to him all that. These guys have never met. Ricky Morton, before that day. So when he walked up and started talking to us, they were starstruck. And it was a weird experience for me because looking at them and meeting them, I was starstruck. So it was like a, a weird triangle. I was starstruck with him meeting Heavy Machinery and Law Sullivan. They were starstruck with meeting Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton was talking to me as if we were family. And it was just weird. And I was like, yo, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever experienced because I know somebody they don't know that's been in WWE, and they work for WWE. Yeah, I got five points over you guys. Yeah, I'm the coolest dude in this group. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we went through all that. We went over the match. We went out there, did the match, and they wanted me to do a promo. I was very excited and surprised that they had me do a promo. I have not seen anybody do a promo since as far as extras which is great, which means I did something great. Uh, and I got a lot of great feedback from it. Uh, Matt Bloom loved it. He came up to me and told me I was great. Nobody had any any critiques for me, nothing bad, nothing I needed to change, nothing I needed to work on. Triple H walked up to me, shook my hand, told me good job, and walked off. And I was like, oh, my God, I screwed up everything. Like, my whole mindset, after all that, didn't tell me it was great, you did a good job, I was thinking, I screwed up everything. They don't want to talk to me and tell me nothing. I'm never going to get hired by WWE. I texted Karina for two weeks and asked him, what did I do wrong? And he reassured, reassured me. Everything was fine. It was great. Just calm down. You're, you're getting worked up over nothing. And getting other opportunities with NXT, Raw and SmackDown, reassured me that I actually did something great. Now, fast forwarding down to Raw and SmackDown this past month, with the Bobby Lashley system. What can I say? I'm an actor at heart. <laughs> uh, they, they came to us, um, me and the other two guys, we were the only ones who had our blow work and all our stuff situated, all our physicals. And uh, it was a luck of the draw. It was a luck of the draw that I got the character Jessica because um, they just walked up to us and said, here, you're this one, you're this one, and you're this one. So it was, it was I lucked out as far as getting that position, and taking that spine muscle from Bobby Lashley. Uh, once we start going on rehearsal, you know, once they 
gave us all the clothes. Everything changed within a whole hour. So it went from Sammy Zane talking to us, asking us yes or no questions, and our answer was supposed to be yep or no. That was it. And they didn't want us to use no women voices. They wanted to keep our regular voices because we were men dressed as women there to trick Bobby Lashley and beat him up. Then it turned into uh, Vincent Man making changes because this is all Vincent Man's baby. This is all his segment. It was all his idea. So it was a lot of pressure for all the guys because if you make Vincent Man happy, you're in. If you screw up, good luck in your future endeavors. You're never coming back. And um, we went out there, and we did the rehearsals, and we went to the back, and we was getting prepared. And then they came and said, hold tight, guys. This man's making changes. Be on standby. They brought us a new script, and we had to learn that in 30 minutes. Um, and then it came to a point where they said, okay, we need you guys to shave, put makeup on, do women's voices, the whole nine yards. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. It's just an acting gig. I'll take it. I'll do it. Not a problem. Wesley Snipes dressed as a woman. I can do it too. So it was nothing for me. Um, and then we went out there and we killed it. When we got to the back, Sammy Zane was very happy. He gave us all hugs. Bobby Lassie hugged us. In fact, he had to make sure I was okay because of the spine buster. He gave me this man. Are you okay? I like, yeah, I'm fine. Wow. He was like, man, you, you jumped very high. And I looked at him and said, as I should, right? And he was like, well, nobody's ever jumped at me like that. As they should, right? And, uh, you know, so it was it was a great experience. Everyone in the back really, you know, congratulatory to us. They told us a great job. Vincent Man was very happy. Uh, Road Dog Jesse James was very happy with it. Michael Hayes came up to us. You know, we got a lot of praise for that whole segment. And I was happy that we were able to pull that off so great. And good or bad stories behind it as far as the fans' reviews or whatever. I went out there. I did what I was asked to do. I did it to the best of my ability. In fact, as far as they said, I did it perfectly. And there's no telling what more opportunities I'll get from that. So I'm I'm very grateful. So I got to give you an honest answer on this whole thing, right? I've seen some shitty uh, segments in my day, like the Alexa Bliss and Bailey thing with her family and a lot of other ones. And I don't understand the hate for this one. I'm not going to sit here and say it's my favorite thing that ever happened. But, like, I, I, I saw all the reactions to it with the um, – let's get the controversy out of the way. That's whatever. You know, people upset about that there were men portraying women. That's whatever. But people acted like this this segment was really terrible. And I'm like, how long have you been watching wrestling? It's, it's really not that different than most things I've seen in the past. And, and I think that's where the big problem is, is people don't want to live in the past anymore. Everyone wants everything to be new and, and better and things like that. But the problem is that I'm finding is when we give you new and better, you're still not satisfied or it's it's not the right timing. Like, we want it, but we don't want it right now. But we we want it now, but we're not sure if we want it right now. Like, well, well don't do it with this guy. Do it with this guy. Okay, well, why did you do it with this guy in that way when you could have did it with this guy in that way? Like, you, there's no way we can truly, truly please the wrestling fans. And and like I told when I put it on Twitter, we weren't portraying women. We were hired goons in women's clothing. We were there to weasel Bobby Lashley out, 
Trey Kimmel coming out there and jumping on him, and we did our job. We got him to come out there, and we jumped on him. It didn't work out in our, in our favor, but we got him out there. And that's where the fans need to grasp the concept of is we wasn't there to try to act like women. We were men dressed in women's clothing to weasel someone out to jump them, and that's all it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and here's the other thing about the whole thing is that do you think wrestling's suffering because of the PC culture now? I mean, because it's like you can't do it. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of fans out there that prefer the in-ring stuff, which is fine. I, I prefer the in-ring stuff. But it's like these same fans pine for the Attitude Era. But the Attitude Era was, as far as in-rings, or, it, you know, outside of ring segments, it was terrible. People don't realize that, but yet they act like it was the greatest thing ever. It's really weird. You know, like this type of thing would have, like, arrived in the Attitude Era, but it happens now and everybody hates it. And see, the, the, the thing, too, now is that you have to be, you have to tiptoe around so many different things and be very self-conscious of what you do with everything. I mean, look at Sinbala. When he came out with the, uh, you know, everyone is is welcome in the Ballot Club. You know, Ballot Club is for everyone. And he came on with the rank, with the pride colors and all those different things. And, and it was people who was like, oh, man, great. I, I I love the fact that he did that. And then there's people like, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe WWE would let him do that. Like, you know, what are you trying to, what are you portraying? Like, it was, it was even people that was even thinking that he was gay and he was trying to come out. And that wasn't the case. The case was, that he's just saying he accepts all life of people. And that's what we need to get to. We need to get to where we accept all life, all free. I mean, look what WWE just did. They just did that, that show in, and what was it? Uh, the Great Battle Royal. What was that? Saudi Arabia or something? Like, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Like, mm-hmm. where, how often do you hear about anything American like that, event-wise? happening in Saudi Arabia. But like that was a big thing worldwide, culture-wise. It wasn't a big thing for wrestling. It was a big thing for people. Because the way I see it, wrestling is the bridge between black and white, Mexican and Dominican, Puerto Rican and Indian, European and African. Like, that is the bridge between all cultures, all races, all walks of life. And we needed to stop being so sensitive about so many small things. We wasn't picking at anyone. That's the story. We was not picking at anyone. We were just portraying characters. That's it. It's no different than watching characters on cartoons. We know Tom and Jerry is not really trying to kill each other, but we still laugh. We know Tyler Perry is not really Medea, but you still laugh. You still pay for the, pay the money to go watch those movies. We know, uh, you know, Tommy Lee Jones wasn't Two-Faced, but you still watched it. So it, it, we got to get to the point now where it's like we're not being, we're not, no one's being picked at. It was just characters for a TV show, and that was it. It's true. I mean, absolutely. It's just one of those things where I roll my eyes at wrestling fans. I'm a wrestling fan, and I roll my eyes at the rest of 
and I'm not perfect. I get I get shitty and bitchy about things like the like a lot of other fans get, but I just watch it and I, you know just move on. Jesus. But hey, James, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I don't know. Whenever the indie power ranking started, I always kind of felt bad for you because I and trust me, things have changed. I felt bad for you because you're such a little guy to us. Like you were so small, like a Jonathan Gresham. We're like this guy's never going to get his due. Does it give you a lot of hope now that 205 Live exists? Because, I mean, these smaller guys are getting the credit that we never thought that they would get now. You know, I remember when I first started training, that, that was the first thing that Steven, uh, Steve Kern told me. He was like, you know, you're in an era now where smaller guys are finally being accepted. He was like the only small guy we had back in our time was uh, Sean Waltman when he came in as one, two, three kid. And he was like, you know, even he had struggles, even he had to prove himself because a smaller guy at that time, you know, wasn't ever really heard of. You know, I can remember, um, I remember watching Rey Mysterio beat Kevin Ash on Nitro. Like, that was a, a big deal back in the day. I remember, um, I won't, I'm not going to say any names, I remember a, a certain independent show that I was doing in Florida that was one of the problems and one of the reasons why I decided to leave Florida was because one of the guys that was smoking the show, he didn't believe in that little guy being a big guy. His thing was, no, little guys can't ever beat a bigger guy. It's not believable. There's no such thing. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a, a, this isn't a small man sport. This is a big man sport, you know, and I, I've heard that a lot, you know, in my career. And, you know, I've overcame the odds. I, I've, I've done a lot of things that people didn't think I could do. You know, people didn't really think I was going to last this long in wrestling. People didn't think I was going to, you know, make it to where I've made it to. I mean, it, it's amazing how when, you know, going back to the whole WWE Raw thing, you know, when I finally got that out there and, you know, it finally came out that I was on Raw and I played the EMT, you know, you'd be amazed at how many people that I really thought were my friends, you know, didn't even take the common courtesy and say, hey, congratulations, man, and, you know, you finally made it. We're so proud of you. Like, you know, it was really a lot of people that I thought were my friends never really said congratulations and none of that stuff. And, you know, I'm out here showing people that, you know, there's hope for you. You can be and do whatever you want to do in life, you know. And, you know, I was I was at, you know, like I told you, I was at, you know, Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, they don't, they don't really see it, but those guys from 205 Live, you know, they bust their asses, you know, each and every week. I mean, Cedric and Buddy Murphy, they had a hell of a match. And, yeah. you know, I was watching it in the arena. And, you know, the TV does not do that match justice because the the pop in that arena when Cedric came out and when he won and during that match, it was unbelievable. I mean, those guys had a phenomenal match. I mean, they probably went a good, what, 30-plus minutes. And that arena was not quiet one time, you know. And they're showing you that, you know, that, that smaller guys can do anything that, you know, a bigger guy can do. You know, I mean, it's a different – it's like Victor said, we're in a different transition now. You know, it's no longer about the bodies and how big you are. You know, it's about your wrestling abilities and what you can bring to the table. You know, wrestling has changed, you know, over these past, you know, 100-plus years. You know, so, um, you know, it, it, it's something out here for everybody. You know, there's, there's something, you got some old school, you got some new school, you got some Lucha Libre, you got, I mean, you got some of everything out here for everybody to enjoy. So, you know, I, I'm I'm really happy um, with WWE bringing back the Cruiserweight division. 
You know, um, I never really watched the 205 product back then, but, you know, I, I've, I've been watching it a lot more over these past few months. You know, watching it live and in person a few weeks ago was, was amazing. And, you know, it, it's made me want to work harder and, you know, it's made me more hungry than ever before. So, you know, it, it's doing a lot of justice for a lot of the smaller guys that everybody said can't and won't make it to the WWE one day. The, the quote-unquote reboot of 205 Live has done wonders for my viewing. <laughs> I mean, I always, I've, I've seen every single episode, but ever since they quote-unquote rebooted it with the, you know, the new commissioner and everything, it's been amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I echo those thoughts. Um, so, Vic and I were talking off air, uh, and so we were trying to figure out what to label this episode because it's like, I don't know how to label this. First, Victor Andrews was supposed to come on, and then James came on, and then Victor came on later. So we figured we'd, we'd label the episode First Generation Does Horror. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> That's great for me. Fine with me. Victor, are you it's still modeling, bro? Yes, I am. Uh, every now and then, my, well, my schedule being so tight with wrestling, I've, I've haven't done as much as I used to, but I'm still in in the in the field of it. Fair enough. Well, fellas, I'm I'm glad we got to introduce you to uh, a different I don't know audience this week. Um, throw out your uh, Twitters, your your Instagram, all that good stuff, so everybody can figure out where to follow you, and hopefully you pick up a new crop of uh, fans. Uh, you go first, bro. All right, well, the easiest way to get to all my social media stuff is to go straight to my website. So you can go to www.thevictorandrews.com, and you can connect to me through my website. You can connect to me on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Um, you can subscribe to my YouTube. Everything is right there on the website, so that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, for me, you know, you can find me on uh, Facebook and uh, my fan page, uh, James Anthony. I'm also on Twitter at 87JamesAnthony. I'm on Instagram at 1987Jam. Uh, and um, if you want, you can always follow me on my uh, YouTube channel. It's uh, VoodooKM21 on YouTube. I try to have all my matches from the weekend up uh, no later than 5 o'clock on Sunday. So, um, you know, check, check me out. And hopefully you can catch me at Victor with say. You can catch me in a town near you sometime. And follow Indy Power Ranking on Twitter because we still retweet the matches that he puts out there. So, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to get it one way or another. So, <laughs> it, man, I tell you what, guys, it is really awesome to see you guys making these guest appearances on the shows. But I want to see more. So, you know, keep sending those emails. Keep doing whatever you got to do to keep pushing to get your way, you know, to whatever you can do in the wrestling business. I love seeing you guys succeed. It's always been awesome to see, you know, the growth you've had for the last I don't know. What's it been? Five years since we've known you. It's pretty been pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty much. And once I, once I get the the movie done, you guys, uh, I'll definitely send you out uh, information on how to check that out, and then mm-hmm. uh, we can have a opportunity to talk about that as well. See what you guys yeah, we'll do like or don't like. Definitely, definitely, we'd love to do it. And, and James, uh, feel free to come on as well. Even if Victor puts you on in some cameo and kills you off, okay? Well, I'm pretty sure that he'll be slacking again sometime. We have to call in the reinforcements. You have to call in the leader of first generation. So, well, well, you know. well, well, you know, every, every Batman has a sidekick, so thank you, Robin. Oh, ha, ha. Okay. <laughs> You're his warrior. All righty. 
well, you guys are awesome. And first generation does horror tonight, so I, I appreciate it, fellas. Uh, keep doing your thing. Stay healthy. Keep uh, keep getting out there, man. We'll talk to you guys. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, you guys. Thanks All for right. having us. Later on. And so that was first generation. James called first, and then Victor. And we just kind of went back and forth with them. And they, I have to tell you, I love these guys. I always have loved it. Love Victor and James. Um, and so if, if you don't know who they are, I doubt. I mean, they give you their Twitter and everything. They give you their Instagram. And they're just solid dudes. We've always liked them. Um, just like Congo Kong. What are they? What do we call them, Vic? IPR guys? Even with IPR not doing rankings anymore, it still exists. Yep, yep, yep. They're all still IPR guys, and um, I mean, we'll go to back for them any way we can. Originals at that. They're some of the original yeah, IPR guys. IPR originals. Yep. So that's a, that's a, a special place that they hold in our heart. So you know, anytime they want to come on, we we've got their back. So uh, man, it was fun. Uh, really talking about uh, some. I mean, it was fun. It was somber at times for me. Just anytime I bring up the Ben Watt subject, especially in June. <laughs> I just uh I, I don't know man. I get a little I get a little uh touchy about the whole thing, you know? Even eleven years later. Yeah. No doubt, man. I understand. Um I mean obviously it doesn't affect me like it did you. But I think it's honestly mostly because uh I'm just kinda heartless for the most part and <laughs> things like that don't well, affect me. You you know, I was thinking about something. You know how it affects me in comparison to you? Remember the easy thing about when you watched the movie and you had to watch him die again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that for me, except in a different way, because if easy had killed his wife and kids, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he could have. He could have gave them all AIDS. He didn't, because he didn't really have AIDS, but that's different. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird thing, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, I mean, that's the best comparison I can make to it all. Yeah, that makes more sense than it should. Yes. All right, so uh, I was talking about what movies I'd watch. Hereditary, Upgrade, Hotel Artemis, which sucks, 7852, Hitchcock Shower Scene, Uh, Digging Up the Marrow. Vic, I told you about this one. It's an Adam Green movie, right? Yeah. It kind of starts out like a documentary. Like... Adam Green's kind of at horror conventions, and this is Adam Green, not some character. It's Adam Green, okay? Yeah. At horror conventions, he's talking to Tony Todd, he's talking to Kane Hodder, he's talking to all these different horror people, right? Fans and stuff. And then he starts telling the story about how there's this guy that's writing to him and telling him that that he believes that there's real monsters in the world, you know, not fake ones. And and they start doing this documentary <laughs> on this guy, and then it goes from there. And it's it's pretty damn good, man. I really liked it. It would be something I would watch again. It was really fun to watch. And there were some really moments where fucking Adam Green was hilarious, and so was this guy. Ray Wise is in it. Ray Wise is going to be at Days of the Dead, I believe. Yes, I believe that is correct. Hey, I think Blake's calling us because he just couldn't resist. Blake, is that you, buddy? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh... Blake decided to even call in just for the fuck of it. What's going on, man? How you doing? No, I'm doing okay. It's just the weather change, man. Just the weather change. It it, it flooded down here, and uh, the other day it knocked the power out for four and a half hours. You know, while it was 92 degrees outside, so that was fine. 
Mine was horrible. <laughs> well, it's raining again, but uh, at least I was keeping in the spirit of the show. I was watching something that I hadn't seen before. Uh, I really kind of like it. it. Musicals are not my thing, but uh, it's uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, my wife loves that, and I've watched bits and pieces, and it wasn't it wasn't bad for a musical, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't finish it. Obviously, she went to bed, and I'm still kind of putzing around trying to. I can't sleep when I don't feel great, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, just busy and just work, work, work. <laughs> uh, you'll have to go back and listen because I was um, talking about some different things I've been watching, but one of them, Blake, do you have Hulu? What's that? Do you have Hulu? Do I have Hulu? Yeah. No, no, I don't. I've got Netflix and Amazon Prime, and I'm thinking about doing Shutter here soon. I just, I just have those two things right now. Well, I, I know Hulu. Thing. I've used it before. Yeah, I mean, they're digging up the marrows on there. I Tanya, which I watched again. I've got and digging up the marrow. That's the one where it's the Adam Green flick where they go in yeah. search of the monsters by Ray Wise. I loved yeah. it, dude. I loved it. And then also 7852, Hitchcock shower scene. I was telling Vic, it's an hour and a half documentary just about Hitchcock shower scene from Psycho. And it was so worth it. So good. It, you know, like Eli Roth was in it, Elijah Wood, Mick Garris. I mean, all these horror people. And it was just them talking about Psycho shower scene. Oh, it's iconic. I mean, it's it's to have lasted uh, that long and left a permanent, you know, uh, imprint on horror uh, to be something that's really not as gory as one would think. And it was shot in black and white. So they could have been pouring, you know, fucking, you know, pen ink down the drain. You wouldn't have known. Yep. You know, she's chocolate syrup. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, I was reading about Anthony Perkins yesterday. Uh, it's funny you brought up Psycho, and I was just going back over that film and how that sort of informed uh, the early modern slasher, you know, uh, you know, as far as the genre is concerned. And I like the sequels, too, but there's just something about that first one, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a creepiness about the first one. Um, but the thing about, damn, I'm starting to get drunk, finally. Anyway, um, the thing about that that movie is that it was just amazing for its time because you just didn't have movies like that. I know that Peeping Tom had already come out, but I've watched that. It's just not that good. But uh, I haven't seen Peeping Tom. I mean, they say it's a precursor to Psycho, but you know, yeah, it's not that good though. So you're not really missing out on anything. It's really boring. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Man. Can we all agree, even if it's not your favorite, can we all agree that the shower scene is the most iconic for, like, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I can agree it. with that. It's in the yeah. top five for sure. I would put it I would put it right up in the, probably the top two. Uh, my other favorite probably would be, obviously, Jack Torrance busting through the bathroom door. Here's Johnny. Yeah. Oh, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, Jaws was next, and then of course I have to go with number four would be probably uh, Tina being drug up the wall in the first Night on Elm Street. Uh, you know, there's another one. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Would have to. Be. Oh, Night of the Living Dead, Russ Striner, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I still feel like the shower scene is just so iconic because of the music involved with it too. All the other things, yeah, they're great, 
Yeah, was that Bernard Herman? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Was that Bernard Herman? Because he also did something for the birds. And the interesting thing about that was there was no music. I thought it was many birds, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but there's something about that composer, you know? Absolutely. So this week there's been some uh, Friday 13th news. I know, I'm all fucking aware of it. God damn it. Yeah, his his fight with the Friday 13th franchise has just apparently put a big dead halt to the uh, video game that's been going on. And uh, it's also... Proving once again that when the fuck are we ever going to get a new Friday the 13th movie, if ever? We won't. We fucking won't, apparently. And it just is so disheartening to me because, okay, I get it. I get it. It's I haven't played the game, but I get that it's important. It's got my favorite Jason, you know, Skins in it. It's got Camp Counselors, some really great deaths, and the graphics are amazing. I haven't played it. But I get it. It's important to fans. And, I mean, they went the right way. I mean, you know, the guy talked to Sean Cunningham and all that. But, you know, to get it all done, and people were people were happy to have it. And now, you know, now apparently uh, Victor Miller has deleted most of his social media because people are just yep. tearing him apart. Yeah, um, I was friends with him on Facebook. I'd had him on our show twice, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's... Vic, is that right? Twice? Yeah, we had him on twice. Yeah, we've had him twice. Yeah, we had Victor Miller on twice. I always so does that change him. your opinion of him? Does it change your opinion of him? Well, okay, so here's the thing with Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Between you and me, I've always thought both of them were kind of a douches. I've kind of thought both of them were douches, so it doesn't surprise me that they're fighting with each other over this whole fucking thing. Um, like, I like Victor Miller, but on the same time, I can admit that he's kind of a douche. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's just something about it. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. For Victor Miller, it's almost like, yeah, I did Friday 13, but I'm not exactly proud of it, but I'll fucking milk it for everything it's worth. Sean Cunningham, he's the kind of the same way, but then he hates Jason and everything that made Jason. He doesn't make any fucking sense. So the people behind Friday 13 and just in general, they've always sucked. I mean, like, okay, Nightmare on Elm Street, they had Wes Craven, and they had fucking, um, why am I struggling? It's because I'm drunk, um, but the producers, help me out, Blake. Which, uh, Robert, Robert Shea, and yes, Wes Craven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you had people that had, that had their back. Well, Paramount's always been kind of a piece of shit, so, like, they never had the back of Friday the 13th. And so, like, you had people like Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham, and those those two, they don't give a shit about anything. So, Friday the 13th's always kind of been left with the wind, and that's why it's flipped all over the place. Well, it just, it's really disheartening because, uh, you know, the fans have been waiting for some video game, you know, this video game thing to come out forever. I mean, and we had gotten to play with him in Mortal Kombat X, and and, and and the like and all that, and you kind of got to still have him, but this is the first time there's ever been a game completely devoted to, to Friday the 13th, and though my home is Elm Street, my other home away from home is Camp Crystal Lake, because I think I've seen those films just as much as I've seen the Nightmare Elm Street films, and, and I was really pleased with the gameplay, I was pleased with the... Uh, the graphics. I was pleased with the the effects, and, and of course they had Kane Hodder do motion capture, and he's everybody's favorite Jason, you know. So there was so much going for this 
just a game, and now it's pissed all these people off. And, and I can't really say much to the fact about the argument because, you know, between Victor Miller and uh, and uh, Sean Cunningham, because obviously Bob Shea and Wes Craven had their differences, and then I produced, you know, a, a, a literary work on that, and I could have very well been in the same position as far as you know, securing rights and all that. But, I mean, again, in my case, Wes Craven was dead. Um, yeah. By that, he, he was alive when I started the book, but midway through the book, he died. Uh, so there wasn't really, and, and I can almost guarantee there probably wouldn't have been, there probably wouldn't have been this really precarious relationship between Wes and I, like there has been between Sean and Victor. And it's really just a shame because Jason. Jason took Paramount to the whole other level. I mean, and and, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, guys, didn't Victor Miller admit that he he wrote Friday the Thirteenth as a way to try to rip off the success of Halloween? Uh, Sean Cunningham said that. Victor Miller said that. Basically, yes, they were ripping off Halloween, but at the same time, they just needed to make some fucking money. They had done some kids' films which failed. So they were just trying to make money. And I, you know what? I, I can't blame them for ripping off Halloween. Fuck, I would have done it too. Well, yeah, I mean, Halloween's a, Halloween's a great film. I mean, I'm not I'm not bashing Halloween at all. But I just, is this really, I don't know if Victor's ever going to, if his social status as somebody influential in the genre and and the father of Jason, more you know, sort of, uh, is ever going to recover from this? Because this, I've been seeing stuff about this for the past like three or four days. And, and if I wouldn't have gotten sick, it would have been the first thing that I said when I caught when I would have called earlier tonight. Because the first thing I thought of was like, my boys in Louisville, how are they taking this? Are they fucked up about it? You know? Eh, I mean, it's more the same as the way I see it. You know what I mean? They can't get a fucking. I'm more worried about the movies, and they just fucking can't do anything with them, so it is what it is. And the game, Vic might be upset about it. He plays it. I don't. Is it a good game, Vic? Do you enjoy it? It's really enjoyable. I haven't played it in a while, but, yeah, I mean, you get online with a bunch of friends, and, you know, one person Jason, everybody else is counseling and trying to survive. So that's pretty oh, see, cool. I, I grew up with stuff like Halo, and you know, obviously that was when I was in high school. Halo, had, you know, towards the tail end of my high school years, Halo had come out, and then, you know, we had Call of Duty and all that other stuff. And it seems to me as though uh, Friday the Thirteenth game was the horror equivalent to the popularity that those games had. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strictly just a online-based game. There's no offline story mode. Well, there's an offline like game that you can play, but it's the same thing you play online. So it's kind of stupid to play it. But, well, right. But, I mean, from what I understand, and I may be I may be mistaken, but from what I understand, wasn't there supposed to be more DLC and more things coming out until this all happened? Yeah, yeah, and like they've been putting out DLC like every month or so since they released it, but yeah, now it's just, uh, you know, it's just the Boston work and then it came That's a fucking shame, man. Yeah. They said they're going to keep, like, upgrading what they already have out, but they're not going to be able to release anything else, so it's kind of, kind of shitty. 
Yeah, yep. it's just uh, it's, that really really bums me, you know, because I know how popular the game was and how long everybody waited for it. So just and I've seen all these horrible tweets. People just people are tearing Victor Miller apart. Like I don't hear as much about people tearing Sean Cunningham apart as much as they're tearing Victor Miller apart. I, I think because Sean Cunningham stuck with the franchise, even if he's a fucking moron, as he's the same thing as I said. You can have Jason in this movie, but get rid of that fucking mask. And I'm like, Sean Cunningham, you are a moron. But, you know, at least he's stuck with the franchise. He's always back. Well, that would be like having Freddy Krueger without his claws or without his striped weapon. Shut up, moron. You know what I mean? Yeah, shut up. Jesus. He's a moron. I didn't like him on that. Is he a bum, guys? Yes, yeah, he's, 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 he's an overrated bum. bum too. But Victor Miller's an overrated bum too. So let me just put that out there. They're both overrated <laughs> bums. They got oh. lucky that the sequels saved their asses because the first one was was good. But I mean, it's the sequels that really made the series, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jason showed up in the in the second one, and then he was the main character from there on out. And, and, I mean, I get that it was kind of cool to have Mrs. Voorhees as the grieving mother who sort of took it above and over the top, and, you know, her being the killer in person was unique. And I like the idea. But I don't, I'm not certain that, I'm not certain that they could have kept that same vibe and, and with, with that same thing and had it survive a, a full franchise. I don't think they would have been able to do nine or ten movies or even all that off of it. Uh, Not a fucking chance. You're right. So I mean, right. and I love Betsy Palmer. May she rest in peace. But she, I, I don't. I'm certain she probably wouldn't have stayed through the entire franchise if she would have. Could you imagine she, the zombified fucking Mrs. Voorhees? She, I mean, she hated it. She wasn't proud of the, the franchise. She wasn't a horror person. She was like Jamie Lee Curtis was sort of that way later on about Halloween. She wasn't proud of her horror roots. Now, of course, she's going back there again. But let's move on for Friday the 13th. We've talked about it earlier, Blake, since we have you on the line. What do you think of the new trailer, buddy? What I've seen of it, I really, really like. And, again, there's a mixed bag of people. I think, I guess, what bothers me, and, and it's not really a grievance. It's just because it's what I'm used to. The fact that this film is supposed to retcon parts two through, I guess, what, H2L, all the way up through the original all series. All the first one, yeah. Which I'm okay with that because it, it pissed me off at first, Blake. Like it pissed me well, off. Well, I'm not that. pissed. It's just I mean I'm friends with George Wilbur. I'm friends with all those people, and yeah. and and you know those films. I grew up with those, and I loved his interpretation of Michael Myers. I think George Wilbur was a good Michael Myers. You know? Yeah, but we know that those movies happened. You know what I mean? We know those movies happened. So they're just going this in a different direction. I wish they would do that with other movies. Like with, with Friday the 13th, maybe they could, you know, ignore fucking Jason X and maybe uh, Jason takes Manhattan and Jason goes to hell and then go from there. Well, I like Chainsaw Jason Master takes Manhattan. Manhattan. I like Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> well, it, I, I like it like better it than Jason X. I used to, well, fuck yeah, Jason X is a pile of shit. But I, I used to, I used to like really like Jason Takes Manhattan. But over time, I'm like, there's barely any blood in this movie. It's really long, and it's on a yeah. boat for most of the fucking movie. It's false advertising. Well, you me. know, I, I, as far as me, it's a tie because I love Tane Hodder, and, and you know, he's always been nice, and and uh, 
you know, Mick introduced me to him because they did Leatherface together. Because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Kane Hodder did some of the. He doubled. Was it R.A. Milhall? R.A. Yes, yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he was and, a Freddy versus Jason doubling R.A. on the TV. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, of course, it just, it's. I, I love Kane Hodder, but if I had to pick my two favorite films in the series of uh, Friday the 13th, I'm going to get shit Heart all around this. It would be fucking New Blood, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, and then Friday the 13th, Part 4, The Final Chapter, because Ted White fucking killed it, man. I'm, I'm a Part 6 guy, personally. Oh, well, I like T.J. Like Graham, too, but if I'm going to pick just two of them, you know. Yeah. I, I just love Part 6. I, I like the story of Part 6, you know, where he gets resurrected. and Tommy. Yeah, he's the, he's the first time you it. see undead Jason. Yeah. yeah, and I like Tom Matthews. I think he does a great job in it, and I think you know as Jarvis, Tom yeah, Tom Jarvis, yeah. Well, hey, so fellas, you know, this past week I watched Eyes Wide Shut again. You know the Stanley oh, wow. Kubrick movie, the last one he had ever made. And what's funny is I saw this fucking movie at the theater with some chick, and I don't remember which chick. I really can't remember which chick because I was doing the math on when this movie came out, and I have no idea who I would have been with. That, that just tells you, like, I don't remember at all. And uh, in 1999, I have not a clue who it could have been. Anyway, I wasn't I with watched, anybody. Of course, I was fucking, you know, 15 or 16 at the time, depending on when the movie came out. So. <laughs> I was 17. It was 1999. I was 17 yeah. years old. So I was still in high school, and I went and saw this movie, and I didn't know what the fuck to expect, and I was so weirded out. And I watched it again, and I'm like, it's pretty damn good. Kubrick's the man, but it is a weird, it's still a weird-ass movie. It is a weird movie, and it sort of speaks to that whole belief that Kubrick had about, you know, from what I read, about the Illuminati and all that. There are people that say yeah. he was killed for making eyes wide shut. You know, there's just as many conspiracy theories as you could check a stick at. Yeah. I love Kubrick, though. He was the man. Um, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. So, Blake, I wanted to tell you, now that you're on the line, uh, here are the movies at the theaters that I've seen uh, recently. Uh, Hereditary is worth seeing. Hotel Artemis is not worth seeing. And Upgrade is worth seeing. So, for future reference. Uh, And I still need to watch the movie you referenced last week, The Monster Project. Oh, yes, you have to do that, man. Holy shit. It's, it, it was a diamond, man. I wasn't expecting a diamond. I really wasn't. I was expecting it to be shit. <laughs> you know, I really was. But, yeah. but it, it, it surprised me. A lot, in very much the same vein that uh, that starry eyes and teeth kind of surprised me. My wife made me watch teeth. I had never seen it prior. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife is. She's very unique. I'll put it that way. Um. There she is. There she is. But, so I had a, I had a, I have like my children's sitter's niece or some shit watch Teeth and and told her to tell me to never watch Teeth and I'm like I've already seen it. <laughs> you can't tell me not to watch a horror movie. I've already seen it. And if you tell me not to see a horror movie, I'm gonna that's gonna make you want to see it even more. It's reversed. Yes. Like a kid, don't touch that. Oh, I've got to touch it. You know. <laughs> so, so Blake, the one thing I want to uh, get across to you real quick is uh, about Hereditary. I'm not going to say much, but uh, it's long and it's slow. But there's a scene in that movie 
You remember? Okay, so I told you how Vic and I felt whenever we watched the remake of It. Well, it's not a remake, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Where Georgie's arm gets ripped off, and it's like, yeah. what the fuck? This is actually yeah. being shown. There is a scene like that, but ten times worse in Hereditary. Like, blew my fucking mind. I sat there with my mouth agape for, I can't tell you how long. I was like, wow. Now, the rest of the movie's slow, so whatever. But that part of it, that was enough to fucking sober me up. It was amazing. So that part of it blew me away. Anyway, so if you get the chance and you can see it on the cheap, maybe go see it. Um, don't buy the hype that it's the scariest movie ever, but it does have some scare scenes. I think you'll enjoy it more than Vic would. Okay, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll take that under advisement. I know that my wife and I have been trying to find a reason. We got a couple of gift cards to go to the theater. We're trying to find a reason to go, you know, to the theater. And you know, we both agree we want to see. We both agree we want to see Meg. We both agree we want to see yes. uh, Deadpool two. Um, we both agree. Deadpool two. I've seen it three times and it's great. Okay, good, good. Um, and then we also want to see the uh, it. Chapter two, you know, part two or whatever. So, Hell yeah, we'll we'll use Indeed. it. But guys, man, it's I like I said. I'm sorry, I didn't feel as I didn't feel as good earlier. But thanks, it's just I've been so busy and swamped. I've got two more conventions coming up in October, and, and uh, a third on the horizon as well. So I've just been so busy booking all that and then finishing up this book and then the weather changing. I just am feeling a little like dog meat right now. Well, you guys still have homework to do. Uh, next week we don't even know what show we're doing, but July third we both know that we all know that we're doing uh, three episodes on Twilight Zone. I don't even know which episode I'm doing yet. Um, so you guys need to pick an episode. The only thing I would say is episode four is off limits. We're not talking about one of those hour fucking episodes. So and we can also we can also take uh, we can also take off one of James' best episodes if we need to, just so you don't feel any predilection to have to watch one. Nah, that's okay. If you want to, all I ask is that we make sure that we pick the episodes beforehand, so I can watch your episodes. And uh, if if you would, you could watch the ones that I'm doing too. So I'll let you know this weekend which one I plan on. We're just doing one episode a piece. Is that what it is? Yep, one a piece. And I'm gonna let Vic pick his own episode. You pick your own episode, and I'll pick my own episode. And if somehow we pick the same one, I'll pick a different one. And I'll be the one to pick something different because I've probably seen them the most. I've seen them quite a bit, man. You know, I know I mean, you I'm, have. I know you have. I know, but I, I still watch them to this day, like all the time. You know what? I'll go ahead and pick mine. I'll go ahead and pick it now, and, and I'm fairly certain right. that it was that it was a Twilight Zone episode where Dennis Hopper was this racist asshole, hmm. like a Nazi uh, guy. Yeah, black and white. He was really young. Yeah, Dennis Hopper, Nazi, Twilight Zone, He's Alive is the episode from January 24th, 1963, directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Is that is that okay? Four, is that a yeah, good one to do? fourth season. You, you can't pick that one. It's fourth season. Oh, shit. We can't pick the fourth season, really? Yeah, because it's an hour-long episode, and I want us to be able to watch each other's episodes. And I can't get Vic to watch an hour. I'm just being oh, honest. Fuck. <laughs> uh, how, much, how many of these fucking things have I sat through that I didn't want to watch? Nazi episode. You know Death's Head Revisited? What? There's there's an episode about Nazis called Death's Head Revisited. 
Okay, well then Maybe go ahead and check that. for me now because I'm pretty sure I just fucked up again. The episode where it's got Robert Duvall and the Dollhouse. What season is that one? Robert Duvall, <laughs> Dollhouse, Twilight Zone. You're not talking it's about a popular Tina, one. Him. This is Miniature, which is episode 110. I don't oh, know what season that is, though. That could be season four. Let's see. Fuck. It, it sounds like it was, it's not something I watch all the time, because I never watch season four because they're an hour long, and I like the quicker ones. Oh, fuck. You'll sit through a three-hour-long horror film. I know. I'm saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's season four. Sorry, buddy. No, I will. Let that man put me in season four films. Plus, I don't think season four is on Netflix, Blake. That's the issue. Okay, fine. Fuck it. A one through three are there, though, right? One, two, three, and five. Okay, well, I'm not picking Shatner's episode. You can kiss my ass. I'm not picking that one. Okay. Because <laughs> everybody fucking picks that. So speaking aggressive. of, speaking of, I've got to tell you the funny story. Have you and Vic been following Mick Strong and the shit that happened to him today? No, I didn't see it. Oh, my God. He got thrown out and escorted out of Genius Bar. And how did he do that? He went in because his iPhone 6, uh, the battery was acting all janky and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay charged. So he drove two hours to this place for them to fix his phone, for them to turn around and tell him he'd have to come back another day and uh, you know come back and get it the following day. He said, if that's the case, you can all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> and they escorted him out. He said, it's the first and only bar I've ever been kicked out of. I can't believe I've never been. So, out. so he I went. He went and bought a Galaxy. He went and bought one of the ga- the new Galaxies, I guess, today. So he's officially made the switch mm-hmm. from Apple over to Android. They, they threatened to kick mm-hmm. me out of Phoenix Hill once for throwing up in the trash can. <laughs> How great is that, though? He got escorted out and told that he is no longer allowed in the place. He's <laughs> a fucking animal. <laughs> That's awesome. He's. I'm telling. It's my co-author, my partner, man. I just. He's. He's a fucking trip, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And we've heard him on the show, and we know it for a fact. Oh, we've got a 1983 man. episode coming up here soon, don't we? Yeah, huh. next month. Next month. I yeah. think we'll probably do it July, like, 10th. Okay, okay. Yeah, that that one's going to be, boy, that one's going to be hard. Brace yourself, 1983 fella. sucks ass. I looked at yeah. it, and I was like, what a shit month. What a shit year. What the fuck happened? You know, all these other years, there was all sorts of good stuff going on. But now, I guarantee our list will almost be the same. <laughs> it better be, because, I mean, this is a bad year. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. Is there 10 things that I've seen from 83 that I can put on the list, for Christ's sake? I didn't watch any of the foreign stuff from 83. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's going to be funny. I guarantee there'll be a couple that you will, will all be like, yeah, that one's on there. Even if you don't like the movie, you'll put it on there just to fill up the space. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be rough. 1983 is going to suck, but then 84 turns around. 84 is badass. Wow. 84 is good. Let me ask you something. Are we going to consider Ghostbusters a horror film? No. Maybe. Hello? 
Sure, why not? Let's do it. Well, I mean, it's I mean, there are some horrific things. There are some pretty you know scary things in it, but I just it's not really I guess a horror film, but I mean, just just I'm just asking mm-hmm. so I know what's off the list to pick. Most of my horror is Gremlins, and you know, Gremlins is pretty much considered a horror movie for the most part. So, yeah, true, true. Uh, that's true. Did we lose Travis? I, I think he died. Well, shit. He, Travis he died. He said he was drunk, and he warned us it was getting worse. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if that's the case, I guess I'll just talk to you fellas here soon. I, there's no need for me to call it in links. I didn't even participate in the show except for the very end. <laughs> the last one is he has, he has to uh, stop, the, stop the show, so I don't know. I guess it's just going to record forever. Yeah, because it's ten. It's it's after ten o'clock my time, and that's usually when we cut this thing off. Uh. Yeah, he he told me he got cut off, so I'm gonna wrap it up now. All right, buddy. All right, Blake. You have a good one, buddy. You too, buddy. All right, man. Right. the show. All right, buddy. You can find us on Twitter at Travis or um, find the website travisvictor.wordpress.com. We're on Facebook. You know, y'all know all the links. It is what it is. Same stuff every week. Um, I hope you enjoyed our talk with the uh, first generation. And, yeah, other than that, uh, y'all have a great night, and we will talk to you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.